I'm your inner dream monologue and you're fast asleep. So I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Today's episode of Hey YA is sponsored by TBR, Book Riot subscription service offering reading recommendations personalized to your reading life. Do you want new, great new YA books to read but are overwhelmed by all the publishing buzz? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for, and then sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations that are just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's going to be an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so you can treat yourself and support an indie too. And TBR is also available as a gift. So visit mytbr.co to sign up today. Again, that's mytbr.co. Welcome to Hey YA, from great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a Book Riot podcast, we're recording on Thursday, September 24th. I'm Vanessa Diaz, here with Liberty Hardy, and we are filling in this week, as you probably noticed, and we're going to try very hard not to sink this ship. So Liberty, how are you? Hello! Yeah, we're both substitutes. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's rare. <laughs> it was just the way it worked out. Both of us were available. So here we are. We love YA. Why not? Kelly's getting some good rest. So yeah. Yeah. How have you, what have you been reading lately? So I just picked up Surrender Your Sons by Adam Sass because Jamie Canavas said that it was amazing. Uh, Jamie, if you're not familiar with her, does our mystery newsletter and is also the bibliologist wrangler for TBR. And she told me this book was amazing, so I picked it up. It's a YA novel about a young man whose parents sent him to a conversion camp. And I'm also reading Princess Floralinda and the Forty Flight Tower by Tamsin Muir, who is the author of Gideon the Ninth, that series. This is a standalone silly fairy tale. I've only read like the first 10 pages, but it's amazing because Tamsin Muir is so funny and so snarky. And this is Basically, just opens with like this witch being like, okay, you're a princess, so that means that I have to put you in a tower. This is just how this works. Here are some, you know, here's some nice bedding and some food, and don't worry, a prince will be along like in any moment now because you're pretty <laughs> and you're young and this always happens to you, so don't worry about it. You know, it's so funny so far. And I'm also reading The Wife Upstairs by Rachel Hawkins, which is her first adult novel and is a contemporary telling of Jane Eyre. <laughs> Stop it. I did not know that. Ooh, well, I'm just going to scribble that down real quick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am reading, it's funny, you would think we all knew about all the books and then we talk to each other and we're like, ooh. Um, okay, so the first book I'm reading is A Deadly Education, which is the new Naomi Novik that will actually, I think, be out by the time you all listen to it. Yeah, it comes out on the 29th. It's the first in her new Scholomance series, which... I think so far from what I've read actually could be appropriate for a YA audience. It is definitely on the dark and like twisty side, but it is like a very feminist, dark and twisty magic school book, which is kind of all I needed to hear to read it. 
pretty pretty awesome. I'm a really big fan so far doing that one on audio. And then I'm also listening to the new Mark Oshiro, just each of us a gift, not each of us a gift. I'm combining his first book and his next book. It's Each of Us a Desert, uh, which came out, I think, on the 15th. And this one is like a desert fantasy set in the Americas. Like it's very, very influenced by his Latinx heritage. The main character's name is Xochitl, which I love. And yeah, I'm, I'm only about a quarter to halfway between both of those, but they're so fantastic so far. So some good reading. Excellent. Yeah, I'm really excited. So now we told you what we're reading. We decided that we're going to tell you all about some newer releases in the YA world first. And then we're going to dive into a topic that is near and dear to my heart and that Liberty was kind enough to pick, which is witchy reads. But first, I'm going to tell us about our next sponsor. So this episode is also sponsored by Oni Lion Forge Publishing Group, publishers of Smooth City by Kenny Kyle. In a 90s kind of world, four young friends try to navigate a new jack-swinging landscape of shopping malls, demo tapes, and shady record execs. Will Ronnie, Mikey, Vinny, and Ray achieve boy band stardom with their friendship intact, or will they learn that all that glitters ain't double platinum? I love that this is being billed as the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air meets Archie Comics, which is pretty great. It's like a refreshingly funny love letter to New Jack Swing. It's It sounds like it's full of 90s nostalgia. It's got a contemporary twist to it, but you know all the major influencers from the 90s are there. The music, the fashion, the politics, like mall culture, the importance of radio, you know, cassette tapes, but with some modern hits like Finesse from Bruno Mars and the return of you know successful vocal groups, 90s pop culture is more relevant today than ever. So this is a funny and heartfelt story of fame and friendship in a world that feels like it could be a music video. So written and illustrated by Kenny Kyle, Catch a Smooth City in stores on October 20th. Let's talk new books. Yeah, new books. I made us a little list of things that are notable that are coming out on the 29th, which will be before this comes out. So yes. it'll be available now. Uh, the first being Crush by Tracy Wolf, um, which I have to say, Crave was the first book in this series that came out last year. And it was supposed to be like an homage to Twilight. And this huge, they put so much money into this book and it's already being made into a movie, I think. And I have not read it. And I have to say, I don't know anyone who has read it. Like, it could be fantastic, you know, but I, ha I haven't heard anyone mention it, which I find interesting considering how much money they threw at this book. Um, but this is the second one. It's out today. So if you want to read the first one and the second one or just the second one, go wild. Uh, it's out on the 29th. <laughs> Dear Justice by Nick Stone is out, which is a sequel to Dear Martin, which is an amazing book that got tons of press and award nominations when it came out a couple years ago. This one uh, says it takes place uh, later on in which an incarcerated teen named Quan is writing letters to Justice about his experiences in the American juvenile justice system. Also out is Shine by Jessica Young, who I have no idea who she is but it says here that she is a k-pop legend and former lead singer of one of the most influential k-pop girl groups of all time called girls generation but this is what i get for being old i have no idea who that is uh, but this is a, this book ya book is also about a k-pop star there's also a deadly ed education is being built as ya which you just mentioned the new naomi novik which will be out on the 29th oh there is a young adult edition of When They Call You a Terrorist, a story of Black Lives Matter and the power to change the world by Benny Nauer and Patrice Khan Colors. There is a new Brian Bliss coming out about three people who shelter together during a school shooting. It's called Thoughts and Prayers, a novel in three parts. 
The sequel to The Gilded Wolves is out, which is very exciting. Rashani Chakshi, I yes. love her. That came out, I think, last week. She's so fabulous, and she makes fabulous Instagram reels. Like, she's a natural at it. She's so great. Uh, there is Vampires Never Get Old. Speaking of vampires, uh, this is a collection of 15 tales, including authors such as Danielle Clayton, Rebecca Roanhorse, Laura Ruby, V.E. Schwab, Julie Murphy, Heidi Hellig, and so many more. I have this. I have not read it yet, but I'm very excited to read this. Me too. I was, like, big into vampires when I was a kid. Like, big. Like, when I finally decided to get rid of my vampire books, I had, like, two bookcases full. Of <laughs> I mean, I was very into them. There is a new Arvin Amadi out called How It All Blew Up, which is being billed as Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda Goes to Italy, which sounds great. It's about the his new, it's his newest incisive look at identity and what it means to find yourself by running away. The new Everybody Looking, which is, a, I believe, her debut novel by Candace Ilo, uh, is out, and it uh, was just made the National Book Award long list. I have this. I have not read it yet. That's, that's like the story of my life. But uh, Jacqueline Woodson, who is the best-selling author of Brown Girl Dreaming, says that Candace Ilo's beautifully crafted narrative about family, belonging, sexuality, and telling our deepest truths in order to be whole is at once immensely readable and ultimately healing. So I'm going to read that very soon. I'm trying to read like all the award-nominated books. And also out today, or no, not today, already out, is Smash It by Francina Simone, in which Olivia Liv James is done with letting her insecurities get the best of her. So she does what any self-respecting hot mess of a girl who wants to smash junior does. She makes an effort list and decides to set aside her whack AF ways. Which sounds funny. <laughs> Somebody was reading this. Somebody at BR was reading this. I wonder uh, if they finished it. I have this too, but it sounds hilarious. So I've definitely seen that photo floating around a couple of the different Slack channels. So yeah, I think yeah. it's getting some popularity. There's a lot of really good stuff out. I'm, I have a lot of these on my list too. And uh, yeah. I don't know which one to read next. Can I take us on a little aside and mention a couple of YA books that aren't out yet that I just read? Please. That I really enjoyed. Uh, there's one coming on October 6th called I Hope You're Listening by Tom Ryan, which is about a young girl who uh, she's playing in the woods when she's very young with her best friend and her best friend is abducted and it's never solved. And 10 years later, she starts a true crime podcast, like anonymously. Like she has this very famous true crime podcast, but nobody knows it's her. Uh, and she helps people find missing people. Uh, but it's like 10 years after the fact and another girl in her town goes missing. So the attention is back on her because she's the one that got away. It was really, really, really good. I really liked the use of, you know, the podcast because they're so big now. Everybody has a podcast. I really liked that. And then just to tease you, because I can, I read the new Mary H.K. Choi called Yoke. It doesn't come out until March 2nd of next year, but it was so excellent that it is worth mentioning now. It's about these two sisters in their early 20s in New York City, and one of them is sick, and they've not been close for a long time, uh, and the main character is having a really hard time in her life. She stopped going to classes, and she parties all the time, and her roommate is also, like, her not-boyfriend, just, like, her booty call, and they're not getting along, and he's just a jerk, and there's all kinds of things going on. I was... I would say this is more on, like, the new adult side, because there is sex and swearing on almost every other page but i found that refreshing honestly like you know teens they swear and they hear about these things all the time like treat them like you know adults you know talk to them like adults don't baby them i thought that was really great i loved this book 
I loved all her books, so I wanted to mention that one too. Ooh. I wanted to give a really quick shout out before we move on. This, I mean, you, the world knows that, it, you know, everything is just sort of heavy right now. We, you know, got the news of Brianna Taylor, which is really just so unbelievably sad. And I started to do that thing where, you know, you doom scroll. But one thing I did see that was also trending all over Twitter was that the bestseller lists are just full of people, and specifically like women of color right now. And that reminded me that I wanted to give a shout out to Legendborn, which is also a book that came out, I think on the 15th. So it's also right like a new release. I haven't read it. I have. I'm, I'm staring at it. Like I'm looking at it right Ooh, now. <laughs> so good. Uh, but yeah, so it's this story of uh, a young woman. She's she's basically at this gifted program, if I remember correctly, and you can fill me in if I'm wrong, but at UNC. And so she's at her like very first day. She's trying to get over some loss, some like recently, you know, terrible things that have happened. So she's like, okay, I'm gonna enroll. This program is gonna be great. And then on like that very first day, she witnesses this like crazy demon attack and it's wild and essentially finds out that A, she possesses these very unique powers of her own that she didn't know about. And also that this secret society she meets that are there to like fight the demons in theory are the descendants of the Knights of the Round Table. <laughs> like it's just, uh, I don't know how I didn't really pick up on the premise of this until recently, but. She made, I think, like, number five on the bestseller list, and she's definitely not the only one. You know, it's, it's just so nice to see this increased, like, diversity in, on the charts. But definitely wanted to just say, like, congratulations to all the people that are charting. Uh, but that you should also check out that book because it sounds really, really great. So great! Uh, I, I think I have it on audio and on print, and I'm trying to decide which one to do because the audio is, like, 18 hours. <laughs> but... Thank goodness. I could, like, more easily probably fit that into my reading rotation i don't know i know you don't audio but it's kind of like buffy meets knights of the round table oh that's a very hard sell i want oh see this weekend i'm gonna i said i was gonna like not read for work and maybe just take some time to what read for funsies but that usually ends up being a lie (laughs) we'll see we could (laughs) i recently heard a different take on kill two birds and i wanted to say uh Feed two birds with one scone. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I need to start saying that just because it's nicer and I like scones. So anyway. Don't feed scones to the birds. It's not good for them. I would probably just eat them myself. But... <laughs> that is funny, though. Okay. This is the content you came here for. What's right? Uh, birds and baked goods. <laughs> birds and baked goods, the name of my memoir. We are going to talk about witchy books. But before we do that, I'm going to tell us about our next sponsor. This episode is also sponsored by Macmillan Audio and The Silvered Serpents by Roshni Chakshi, returning to the dark and glamorous 19th century world of her New York Times instant bestseller, The Gilded Wolves. Roshni Chakshi dazzles us with another riveting tale full of mystery and danger as ever as in The Silvered Serpents. So Severin and his team members might have successfully thwarted the fallen house, but victory came at a terrible cost, one that still haunts all the members of the crew. So desperate to make amends, Severin pursues a dangerous lead to find this long-lost artifact that is rumored to grant its possessor the power of a god. And that hunt lures them far from Paris into the icy heart of Russia, where crystalline ice animals stalk forgotten mansions, broken goddesses carry deadly secrets, and a string of unsolved murders makes the crew question whether an ancient myth is a myth after all. I love a good heisty book. That's very much what this is, except it's set in like Belle Epoque, Paris, and then obviously now in Russia. The first book was so good, so definitely go check this out. And that is, again, a thank you to Macmillan Audio and The Silvered Serpents by Rashni Chakshi. I haven't read this one yet. I just bought it, though. So I loved The Gilded Wolves. 
Yeah, I'm kind of thinking about reading it again before I read this one. I put so many words in my brain in between books that I'm like, sometimes, you know, I can remember what's going on. And sometimes I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> so I usually reread. I do not know how you manage it because I have to make notes for myself. And I have absolutely caught myself recently looking at those notes and being like, Gay? like I don't know what half of it means because I'm just writing like, you know, keywords. So I don't I don't know how you just store it. <laughs> It well, you know, sometimes you know it, it works, but like now for like my other job, I'm reading mm. books that aren't out for like a year or so, oh, and yeah. you know, and then I'm reading ahead for all the books. And like the other day, I was thinking about a book. I was like, "Wow, I've been waiting for this book to come out forever, and I should see if I can get the galley because I want to read it, and everyone's going to be so excited." I don't want to tell you what book it is because it's so embarrassing that I completely missed this. But then when I looked it up, not only like had it come out in July, but I had already read it. <laughs> Like that's, I love you. So it didn't really make that much of an impression on me. But it was something oh. that I was so excited for, like, when I heard it was coming out, and then completely, like, read it at the beginning of this year, and then, like, blanked it out. <laughs> I mean, at least twice a week, I say to somebody, like, blah, 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 book, or thing that happened earlier last year, and someone's like, that was January. <laughs> so I, yeah. yeah, like. What is time anymore? Nobody knows. It's okay. Mm -hmm. It's fine. So, shall we talk about witchy things? Yes. Oh, I forgot to write down my favorite. We were going to talk a little bit about, like, books that we love with witches in them, just in general. Like, have you always read books about witches? Yeah, I think so. Ever since I was a kid. I mean, the first that I can immediately recall was The Witches <laughs> by Rolf mm -hmm. Dahl. Uh, and I, it's just sort of been a thing I was obsessed with ever since, especially because I am, you know, Latin American. I'm, I'm Mexican. and. Bruja is a fun, I mean, like anything, I not, it's also in English, but in Spanish, like a word that you definitely use to throw at somebody kind of when they're being saucy or many behaviors that I displayed as a kid. And we do take the concept of like Dia de los Muertos, you know, very seriously. And so there's always a little bit of like witch lore between the stories of like La Llorona that while I don't directly like call her a witch, which was always a big enough deal to me that the allure was so fantastic. And then it wasn't until I read, you know, yeah, like Roald Dahl that I was like, oh, wait, there's a whole different like connotation to the world of what witches are than like what I was thinking a witch was. And yeah, kind of been chasing that ever since. <laughs> I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, I, f I think my first experience reading books with witches was also the Roald Dahl, like not counting like the fairy tales, you know, like with yeah, Snow exactly. White and stuff like that. Um, was definitely The Witches, and also um, The Witch of Blackbird Pond by uh, Elizabeth yes. George Spear, oh my God, which yeah. I don't even remember what it was about now. <laughs> I could safely say it's about a witch, but, and there you know, was a but I just remember, yeah, that I, that was that. <laughs> and I remember in high school, my favorite Christopher Pike book was The Witch One, uh. which I also don't remember what that was about, but it did have a fluorescent pink and fluorescent green cover, which was my favorite color combination as a child <laughs> of the 80s. So that was my favorite one. And in high school, I read The Witching Hour by Anne Rice, yes. which I just loved. I Sometimes I think about like going back and reading it and being like, I, is it yeah. as good as I remember? Or was it just like, I'm in high school and I'm reading this and it's so good. And then I just wanted to mention, we'll, we'll see if I, if I can say this on the air and uh, <laughs> might have to cut it out. But I read the most bananas witch book when I was like 18 years old. My boyfriend's sister-in-law gave me this book and she said this book was crazy. You should read it. It was called Black Body by H.C. Turk, and it was this, like, 18th century witch story in which the main character had vagina dentata and was a witch. Okay, so uh, it was so nice podcasting with you today. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I thought that was going. It wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, my 
might have to cut that out. I don't know. <laughs> nope, I dig it. <laughs> but uh, it is, and it's still, like, it's still available. Like, you can find, like, used copies of it and stuff. It was the <laughs> most bananas witch book that I have ever read. I don't even know at this point if it's good or not. I just, I've never forgotten it. Like, it, it scarred me for life. <laughs> how are you going to forget that? Like, how? <laughs> Well, I was also going to tell a witch story, which is nowhere near as fun, but it is sort of funny to me because I still say this phrase, even though it makes no sense. So as a kid, my like actual obsession with witches, besides books, definitely was supplanted by watching, of all things, Bugs Bunny. There was this random, you know, I don't know if you ever saw Looney Tunes as a kid, but there's this Mm -hmm. one green faced witch that just like makes an appearance in like random cartoon Mm -hmm. or episodes of it. And there's this specific, it's a whole movie that they put out called A Thousand and One Rabbit Tales, which is kind of what it sounds like. Like Bugs Bunny, you know, he's digging a hole and he ends up running smack into this giant palace and the king of witches, <laughs> Yosemite Sam, because why not? And the guy says like, yeah, I'll let you live, but you have to like, you know, read stories to my kid. And so he starts telling him these, cl- a bunch of classic fairy tales, one of which is Hansel and Gretel. So fast forward, essentially there's this scene where Bugs Bunny is trying to help Hansel and Gretel escape this witch. And they do, and they're like about to run. They've got these this thick, I don't know, German Austrian accent. So they're you know leaving, and right when they're about to be free and leave the hut, they go back to give one last like eh, middle finger to the witch. And what they say to her is, "Ah, your mother rides a vacuum cleaner." And I yeah. <laughs> thought that was like a thing you said to people as like a diss. So I would say it to kids, to teachers. Keep in mind, I spoke English as a second language as a small child, so I don't even know what accent came out. But that's uh, up until I was probably like 10 or 11, someone finally sat me down and was like, so where the heck did you get that from? I'm like, oh, that's not like a diss people use. And they're like, no. And I was like, oh, okay. It was one that you used. But anyway, that was like the thing that I learned from the Green Witch. And I thought that was like a thing you said to people. It's not. Yes. Yeah, you could bring it back. So yeah, vagina tentata and random disses is where our witchy love stems from. Yeah, I don't know that that I loved, which is before that. I can't say that I loved that book. <laughs> I I could it was like, what is happening? True, 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 true. <laughs> so yeah, those are some of our faves. Any other favorites that you can think of? Mm, no, some of them are in this list that we have compiled here. For sure. I made sort of a list and you added some titles to it and we want to just go down through it and I'll toss in some comments. Yeah. So the first one we want to talk about is one that I will admit I have not read and I own it and I've been meaning to. It's Akata Witch by Nnedi Okorafor, which is affectionately dubbed the Nigerian Harry Potter. More on that in a minute. But it weaves together this heart-pounding tale of magic, mystery, and finding one's place in the world. It's a story about 12-year-old Sunny who lives in Nigeria, but she was born in America. And her features are African, but she's actually albino. She's this terrific athlete, but she can't go out into the sun to play soccer. There seems to be like no place where she fits in. And then she discovers something amazing that she is a, you know, quote unquote, free agent with latent magical power. So she soon becomes a part of this quartet of magic students. And obviously life sort of changes from there. So have you actually read this one? I did read this one. I didn't read the second one. There are two books in this series. Yeah. But I did I did go out and buy the the new cover because when the sequel came out they changed the cover of the first one. The cover, yep. So of course I needed matching covers. So I have both books. And I <laughs> this of course one, you do. But I really enjoyed this one. Oh, I've been wanting to read it for so long. And the one thing I did want to mention about this, because the book does get dubbed the Nigerian Harry Potter like all the time. And I understand that that comp was made from a 
place of, of praise. Uh, but Nettie herself has come out and said like, hey, maybe just like stop referring to our works as the, you know, African blah, like maybe we're just our own thing. And I, I, I get where she's coming from. I, again, I think that hopefully that comparison gives you enough of a vibe to know what you can sort of expect from the amount of like magic and just loveliness about the book. But I do understand her point of view too, which is just to say like, hey, I, I can do my own thing and you don't have to compare me, especially in light of recent events. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, the next one we want to talk about is one that is very near and dear to me as well, and that is Labyrinth Lost, which is actually the first in the Brooklyn Brujas series by Soraya Cordova. In the first book, we meet Alex, and she is a bruja. She's the most powerful witch in a generation, but funny story, she hates magic. So she is about to embark at her on her death day celebration, which is this the day in which you kind of come into your powers. Her whole family is so excited. They're all pumping her up. But again, she hates magic, so what she doesn't tell anybody is that she's going to perform this spell, this very like dangerous spell to rid herself of her powers. So she does it, but it backfires, and her whole family just poof, like it vanishes into thin air, leaving her alone with this brujo named Nova that she's not sure she can trust, and she essentially has to make a decision to embark into this land that's kind of in the in-between to try and save her family. And then there are two more books in the series. I won't exactly tell you what they're about because that sort of gives away the premise of the first one, but it's an urban fantasy. It's chock full, again, of like Latinx culture. I love the Brujas concept and that depiction of Death Day stuff that's either related kind of to the Dia de los Muertos. It's, oh, I love the series so, so much. And I'll stop talking about it now. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's kind of why I picked this theme, because you, if I remember correctly, you had just been reading the last one, which just came out. Yep. So I thought, fresh in our minds. Very fresh. I put down The Wicked Deep by Shay Earnshaw, which I have not read, uh, but I have heard great things about, and it is called Hocus Pocus and Practical Magic Meet the Salem Witch Trials, and that is a, it is a story about three witch sisters who are sentenced to death for being witches and then they come back uh, centuries later and uh, take over the bodies of three local girls and kind of have teen adventures as as <laughs> witches which sounds really fun there's also i have the hocus pocus ya book now that i'm thinking about it which i have not read yet but Ooh. there was a an adaptation of hocus pocus plus a sequel that was written as a ya novel like last year oh, i think that escaped me wow so i should dig i should dig that out yeah. Ooh, okay. And then next we have The Bone Witch by Rin Chupeco. And there are three books in this series. Yeah, I think the last one's already... Yeah, all three of them are out. This is a story of scorned witches, sinister curses, and resurrection. It's... Oh, it's, so the main character's name is Taya, and she accidentally resurrects her brother Fox from the dead in the first book. And that's like when you she do. learns, you know, yeah, it happens to me at least twice a week. And that's when she learns that she's different from the other witches in her family. She has this gift for necromancy, which means that she's, you know, a bone witch, which is a title that a lot of people in her community are, you know, terrified by for, you know, reasons. But she finds solace and guidance in an older, wiser bone witch who kind of takes Taya under and her brother to another land for training that's kind of all i'll say about that one too because again there's two more books i don't want to get into spoilery territory but it's just been so fun to discover witchy books as an adult that are not you know they're just more diverse and inclusive that's always going to be my jam so that's a really really fun series 
We talked about the Vampire Collection that has yeah. just come out, and now there is a collection of stories about witches called Toil and Trouble, 15 Tales of Women and Witchcraft, which is edited by Tess Sharp and Jessica Spotswood. I, of course, have a copy of this, have not read it yet. Ooh, I read this one. But it includes tales from such authors as Brandy Colbert, Anna Marie McLemore, and Taylor K. Mejia. And it includes stories, uh, one set in Resurrection Era, Texas, in which a water witch uses her magic to survive the soldiers who have invaded her desert oasis. Uh, there's one set in the near future about a group of girls accused of witchcraft. There's a one where a bruja has to cure herself of love sickness because she falls in love with an altar boy. Now that I'm reading these out loud, a priestess of death investigates a ritualized murder. Now I just want to go upstairs and dig this out of my library and read it right now. It's so fun. You've read it. It's so fun. Yes, I love this <gasps> one. Some of, I actually think this one might also have Soraya Cordova in it. She's just yep. like a, a popping up everywhere. <laughs> But yeah, this one's really good. And some of those stories are very, very short. And even though they're like three pages long, you're like, oh, uh, excuse me. Like, it's oh, it's so good. Read it. It's really great for this time of year. And this next one, I have both of these books and I haven't read them. Uh, it's The Babysitter's Coven by Kate M. Williams, which is called Adventures in Babysitting Meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, I never saw Adventures in Babysitting. I have no idea how that happened, but maybe I should go back and watch it someday. But the second one to this just came out. Um, and it's about a 17-year-old named Esme who has a babysitter's club, and she likes babysitting, and she needs cash because it says because it seems like destruction follows her wherever she goes, and let's just say she owes some people a new tree. So, and then she makes a new friend, and then there's mysterious notes, babysitter goes missing. I'm just reading from the description because, like I said, I haven't read it, but it sounds really fun. And I'll read anything, pretty much anything, compared to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so. I just started rewatching it, because I'd only watched it once when I was much younger, and now I'm like, hey, this just fun. <laughs> yeah. Every time I watch it, like, it's weaker. <laughs> it's a you little, know? yeah, it's, it's special. <laughs> I, I see myself in some of the fashion, and I want to cringe, but, yeah, uh, yeah it's still, it's kind of a, I'm, I'm rewatching a lot of old shows right now, just for funsies, and it's... There's Me a lot too. Of like one-eyed, like okay, but some of it is fun. <laughs> yeah. And let's see, what's our next one? These witches don't burn by Isabel Sterling, which I think I own the first one of. Because that's just our theme today: books that we own and have not read yet. Um, yep. so I'm just going to tell you a little bit about it, which is that Hannah is a witch, but not the kind you're thinking of. She's the real deal. She has an elemental power to control fire, earth, water, air. Even though she lives in Salem, her magic is a secret that she has to keep to herself. And if she's ever caught using it in front of a reg, so a non-witch, she could lose it for good. So she spends most of her time avoiding her ex-girlfriend, who's a fellow elemental witch named Veronica, hanging out with her bestie, working at a place called the Fly-By-Night Cauldron, selling candles and crystals to tourists, goths, and local Wiccans. And <laughs> that just like seals the deal on what I'm naming my business someday. Uh, so yeah, that is a really fun one that I would like to read as soon as I get off this podcast. I forget. And is this the first one or the second one? I cannot remember that. This is the first one. Okay. And there's like, she goes to a party and someone there performs a blood ritual and it attracts all this attention. Oh, uh, and right. now they're like, you were at this party. You must have done this. And she's like, it wasn't me. I don't know who did it. Plus all this bad stuff is going to happen now. So I have, and I think the second one is out. I think so. Yeah, I think it came out last year, so. 
I just couldn't remember the order of them. And I put these down. I have not read these, but I know so many people who love this series. It's Hex Hall by Rachel Hawkins. Um, I do love Rachel Hawkins' Rebel Bells series and also her book Ruby and Olivia. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm reading the newest one that she wrote for adults called The Wife Upstairs. Uh, but this is about – this sounds kind of like Pretty Little Liars goes to, like, witch school or something. Um, it's about, like, very sophisticated rich kids at boarding school, from what I can understand. So I think that sounds really fun. I like a boarding school anything, more often than not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this next book, I'm going to try to reel it in. I'm going to let you take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you all, Hey YA audience, are actually by now familiar with this one because there was, I believe, an extra credit episode where Eric talked to Aiden Thomas directly and they had a whole interview. But I'm just going to keep raving about this book because it's just that wonderful. That is Cemetery Boys by Aiden Thomas. The main character, Yadriel, is a brujo from a family of brujex, which I love, by the way, that the system of magic in this is, like, they opened it up to not being quite as gendered as what we're used to. The traditional system is, like, the way it's supposed to work is that if you are a boy, then when you turn, or a young man, you know, when you turn of age... You do this ceremony to become like a spirit summoner. And then if you're a young woman, then you do the same, you know, ritual, but you become a healer. And so you each have these specific things called portajes, which are like your um, kind of your magical, what's the word I'm looking for? Like for the the guys, it's usually a dagger. And for the women, it is like a rosary that you fill with blood. <laughs> so that is your like portal, essentially, to like be able to use your magic. But Yadriel is trans, and Yadriel, you know, has come out to his family, comes from a very traditional Latin American family of Brujex. They've been Brujex forever and ever. They live, at a, like, on the grounds of a cemetery in East L.A., and the, his mother accepted him 100% and was like, yes, you're my son, your name is Yadriel, let's go. But unfortunately, she passes away, or she passed away by the time, you know, the book starts. She's already, she's been gone. And the rest of his family is kind of having a harder time with it. So they actually bar him from being able to do his ceremony because he wants to do it as, you know, a young man. He's like, I'm a brujo. That's what I want to do. And they're like, yeah, no. And, you know, occasionally refer to him by his dead name, etc. So him and his cousin, who's his best friend Maritza, decide to just break into the church on the cemetery grounds. They've done all the work to essentially craft this ceremony. They do it. Boom. It works, proving that magic knows like who you truly are, which I loved. And then from there, it's this whole hijinksy thing, because as soon as he becomes a brujo, he senses, as does Maritza, that their cousin has been killed. And when he tries to help out to hopefully find his cousin and tries to use his, you know, newly won summoning powers, he summons this completely other random person named Julian Diaz, who doesn't know that he's dead at first, doesn't know why he's dead, what happened. So Julian has to kind of try to put all those pieces together. That was nowhere near as succinct as I hoped it would be. But again, this is just so great to see Brujex in a way that's not as, that it's much more fluid in its gender assignations. It's oh, so nice to see that. There's so much Day of the Dead. You know, the Los Muertos imagery in here. There's tons of Spanish on the page. A lot of questioning of ones like, am I Latinx enough because I don't speak Spanish? And just all those like like really big issues that are explored and what's ultimately like a really fun and also heartbreaking, like in its romance. Oh, it's so good. I was bawling through the last like 50 pages of this book. So I'm going to stop. <laughs> that is Cemetery Boys by Aiden Thomas. Have you read this next one? 
I have it. <laughs> I haven't either. But Sarah Gailey is so awesome. I figured we should put this on the list anyway. Yeah. It's When We Were Magic by Sarah Gailey, which is, from reading the description, a funny, dark novel about six teens who are best friends, and they also have magic powers. And I can't tell if it happens on prom night, but people are in love with each other, things get complicated, some magic is done, and a boy winds up dead. So they have to try and right their terrible wrong. So the cover of this is amazing. It is yep. like that bright red Play-Doh color. So good. Looks amazing. I absolutely bought that one for its cover. And because I had just read Magic for Liars and I loved it, and this one yep. is YA. So that sounds like a lot of fun. And have you read Undead Girl Gang by Lily no. Anderson? Oh, I love away. this one. They call it Veronica Mars Meets the Craft, and I think that's pretty pretty accurate. Um, it's about a young woman who has Wiccan, she studies Wiccan magic, and she has powers, and she has a best friend, but, like, something goes wrong in high school, and she kind of loses her best friend to this, like, Heather's, like, clique. And then her best friend and the two other mean girls all die, and the circumstances are kind of strange, and so this girl, Mila begins to think like something strange has happened and because she has these powers she decides well let's find out what happened by bringing them back to life so she kind of raises them from the dead to get the answers but first of all like now that they're back alive they don't want to go you know they don't want to leave again you know so she's having a hard time keeping track of these three mean girls uh, and she's also they're not entirely certain what happened to them so she's trying to figure that out uh, as like someone's going to come for her when they find out that she's done this. Uh, I thought it was really fun. Really, really fun. And I don't think that there's a sequel or even talk of a sequel, but this one was so great on its own. I really, really loved it. I've been trying to ask myself if there's a sequel to that too, and I don't think there is, but you never know. I haven't seen anything about it, but... Yeah, no, I think you're right. This one is so great. You know, hey. Yay. Okay, so this next one is one that I read, but it's been a minute. That's actually the case with the next two books. But uh, so I'm going to rely partially on the description here and, and also from memory. But it's oh so, so adorable. It's Mooncakes by Suzanne Walker and Wendy Shu. So this is a story about a young girl named Nova who knows more magic than your average witch. She works at her grandma's bookshop where she helps essentially like they sell spells and they also investigate supernatural stuff in the town in New England where they live. So this one night, she gets word that there's a white wolf in the woods. And so she goes to investigate it. And then she comes across a couple things. One, there is a horse demon in the woods. And two, that her crush named Tam is there like trying to, to fight this horse demon. And then so through the process of being like, hey, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And they're like, well, Tam admits that he's been wandering. I think that yeah i want to say tam is a werewolf yes tam is a werewolf and so there's like yeah i also have this power and i've been chasing of kind of going from place to place throughout you know the course of my magic dumb and then they both realize that there is of course this dark force that has descended on their new england town tam turns to nova for help and then also against the backdrop of all this magic like they might have feelings for each other so I read this one a while ago because Tirza, I think, talked about it on the Read Harder podcast, and then she immediately got me to want to read it too. And oh, just so adorable. Really, really beautifully illustrated and a lot of really good time. Yeah, as I say, we should mention it's a graphic novel. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. It is a graphic novel. That's okay. You don't have to be sorry. Now we've said it. <laughs> <laughs> and the illustrations are adorable. Oh, so cute. 
the covers adore. Yeah, it's really, really great. And then this next one is like kind of witchy adjacent. It just gave me like I read it, I think, during the fall last year. And it was just perfect for the witchies, like witchy vibe I was looking for, even though it's not exactly witches. It's called The Sorcery of Thorns by Margaret Rogerson. And this one I want to say it does maybe have a sequel coming, but like I could be wrong about that too. So it, we meet the main character, Elizabeth, who knows, she's known all her life that witches are, not witches, uh, sorcerers are evil. And she's actually training, she's in training, she's a library apprentice. And in this, you know, world that we're introduced to, librarians are like, magical powerful beings she is specifically apprenticing under this great librarian who wields this like magical sword and on a given night when she is not even really supposed to be out of bed but she i think just senses that something is wrong goes looking for whatever this you know noise or disturbance might be and determines that the person that she was you know apprenticing this you know great librarian has been killed most violently and then Essentially, from here on out, things get really sticky because based on the fact that she found her, she knows that <laughs> things don't look good for her. Like, she's not supposed to be at this place in time. It, you know, she picks up the sword. And, like, it looks like she might have been the one to kill this, you know, great librarian master. She kind of has to strike up a deal with a demon in order to be protected and, like, whisked away from, you know, the, the place where she could very well be, like, essentially imprisoned. And it gets, there's, there's grimoires, the demon here has this, like, buddy <laughs> that is just really, really fun. Like, I love a good sidekick. And so again, it's not that it's actually witchy, but she kind of comes to understand that sorcery is not what she was always led to believe that it was. And so in that way, feels a little bit, you know, witchy. There's a lot of, like, spell casting, and it gets, a, you know, a little bit dark, but not, you know, egregiously. It's, it's really fun. I loved this one a lot because I just love magical librarians and witchy vibes. So that's Sorcery of Thorns by Margaret Rogerson. All right. And we've done it. Those are our witch pitches. Witches pitches? <laughs> pitch witches. We, <laughs> yeah, this was a lot of fun. We're pitch witches. <laughs> that's what we are. You can refer us to that going forward the next time we substitute for Kelly. We also want to give thanks to our sound editor, Jen Zink, for making us all sound wonderful in spite of our many flubs. That is going to do it for today. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this version of HeyYA with Liberty and myself. Your normal hosts will be back in, uh, I think, a couple of weeks or maybe next week. What is time? (laughs) But thanks again for listening. Bye! Bye!